All right, let us continue our summer series going all summer. We're in the, what, the fourth week of August already, so we are really cranking the summer out. And uh, we're going through a series called Disciple, and we're looking at the difference uh, between the stuff of a disciple, you know, the ways of God, and then the ways of church culture, which can overlap, but it can be very different. Again, like right now I'm wearing jeans. On uh, the first Sunday of the month, I always wear a tie. Which does God like better, jeans or a tie? He likes what's in your heart. That's what matters to Him. He likes to be respected. He likes to be revered. And 50 years ago, a tie meant respect. And so you wear a tie. Now that it doesn't have the same connotation. It doesn't have the same meaning. So the uh, the things just can be different because it's a cultural thing. So there's the ways of church culture. Then we talk about itching ears, the, the ways of preference, the things that you like or don't like. In a, and, you know, we use the example of the top three things people pick a new church for. Number three, availability of good parking. Number two, the comfort of the chairs. And number one, the style and quality of the music. Those are the top three. Wouldn't it be great if, if we could replace those three with something more meaningful? But I tell you, those aren't the reasons why people stay in church. They don't stay for, for that. That stuff wears off, and there has to be something more meaningful after that. So we want those three things, and then we want the meaningful stuff that's behind it as well. So uh, that's the ways of preference. And then we've talked about the, uh, the ferocious wolves. Jesus said, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Why would Jesus warn people to watch out for false prophets? Because there are false prophets. Would, did that pass away in the New Testament time? <laughs> no, there still are false prophets. You still have to have enough sense to be able to look at people and evaluate, is this somebody who's trying to help me, or is this somebody who's just trying to help themselves, or is this somebody who's trying to hurt me? What is this? You've got to evaluate that. Watch out for ferocious wolves. And so we've been looking at, man, a whole bunch of different things as far as the church culture and what does it mean to be a disciple. And so today we're going to look at two things. We're going to look at um, baptism and the Sabbath. Baptism and the Sabbath. So this fits into our moral character, spiritual disciplines, service to God, the, you know, categories of good works should we be baptized should we keep the sabbath how does that work in today's world uh, for a disciple well let's first we're going to look at baptism of course we've got the baptism service coming up on wednesday so i just want to talk a little bit about baptism before we do the baptism service so that everybody understands how that's going um, why be baptized simple reason because Jesus said so. Isn't it nice when Jesus says something? Well, then you can just be obedient and it's just that simple. A whole lot of our faith walk isn't that simple. We have to discern. We have to seek God. We have to try to find out which way is the Spirit leading us. But this is just blatantly commanded in the, uh, the Great Commission. Matthew 28, we're just going to read verse 19. Uh, to speed it up a little bit. Therefore, Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So we are commanded to go 
make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that's what the Great Commission is. When Jesus takes His band of believers and sends them out into the world, He says, go baptize people. Go make them disciples. Go do that. And so that's what we do. We go and we make disciples and we baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And uh, it's just a matter of being obedient. What is baptism? Why do we do that? Baptism is a public declaration that you are now a follower of Christ. It's a public demonstration of something that has already happened in your heart. Now, a spiritual thing can happen at baptism. But it's not baptism that washes your sins away. It's the blood of Christ that washes your sins away. And your faith in that, your receiving of that forgiveness, that's what washes your sins away. Baptism is a symbol of that. It, it is a, uh, a demonstration that you have already received that, but the baptism itself doesn't wash your sins away. When I got baptized, the guy that, uh, that baptized me, he, you know, he kind of took a look at me and he said, oh, I think I'm going to have to hold you under a little bit longer. You know, just, you know, kind of as a joke, like, gotta really shake off all that icky stuff and then I can bring you back up. Uh, but it's not, it's not the baptism itself that washes our sins away. You know, if you, if you, God forbid, have some terrible accident on your way to the baptism service and you're going to be baptized, it's not like, oh no! Now they're gonna go the wrong way. Well, God's way smarter than that. Um, it's a public declaration of something that's already happened in your heart. The symbolism comes from Romans chapter 6, 5 and 6, of laying down your life and then receiving newness of life, laying our lives down like Christ did, and then being unified in His resurrection. Let's, let's read Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 3. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death for a reason. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So it's a symbol of being born again, of the, the old man is dead, the new man has come. The, the past is gone, that's not me, I am a new creation we may live a new life. If we have been united with Him like this in His death, we will certainly also be united with Him in His resurrection. So there's newness of life now, today, in Christ. And there's eternal life in Christ as well. And the, the born-again life is a, is a type, it's a first fruit of living forever with God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm excited about that. I think I've mentioned this before, but I haven't gotten over the fact that I get to live forever. That's a big deal. You know, I mean, man, we get bored with that. We're in trouble because, wow, that's great. And it'll be better than this. You know that? You won't need glasses in heaven. You know, I keep thinking it's like my vision is worse every day. I expect it to get better. And then it, I'm like, no, I still can't see. Uh, it's a tricky thing. You get old, you know? I'm resisting. I want my eyes to be strong. 
<laughs> people putting eye drops in in the congregation. I'm planting a seed. That's bad. That's bad. Uh, we're going to get better. We're getting stronger. But we're going to resist resist the aging process. But you know, in heaven, we're not going to get old. The hips aren't going to need to be replaced. Vision isn't going to get weak. We're not going to have ringing in our ears. Yeah, I don't know. Am I going to have my hair back? Yeah, you may, you might not recognize me. There you go. Someday, like if I go on a canoe trip for a couple weeks, I'm going to grow the beard out and let the hair grow. I'm going to look, no one will recognize me. I'll look completely different. That Maybe about three weeks. Trinette says no. Okay, well. I got, I've seen that look before. All right. <laughs> All right. So that's the symbolism of it, the, the laying down of the old. You know, uh, I think AA is great, and I think denial of your problems is a bad thing. But the, the Bible promise is, like, let's say that you're labeled an alcoholic. You can, you can let that old man die, and you can be born again. And that born again man is not an alcoholic. Amen? Do you see that? We don't need to identify with our past failures. We don't deny that. We don't pretend it's not true. But I tell you what, the old is gone, the new has come. You are a new creation in Christ. You do not need to associate yourself with those past sins and the past hooks the enemy has had. You can disassociate yourself with that because you are born anew. A new creation. Hallelujah for that. I've got things in my past I am glad I can disassociate myself from, and that's not me. I've been born again. The old is gone, the new has come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's true for all of us. Was Jesus too cool to be baptized? Jesus was cool, right? He was it. Was He too cool to be baptized? Absolutely not. Let's look at Matthew 3, uh, 13-15. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Did He put some effort into this? He had to travel. He had to walk. Long ways. But John tried to deter Him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to Me. So John understood the situation. Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. Why did Jesus get baptized? Did he need to have his sins washed away? No, he lived a sinless life. He was completely perfect. The symbolism didn't even make sense. You know, the old is gone, the new has come. The, the, the past sins are gone. I'm a new creation. This is Jesus. He's the Messiah. Why would, why would he be baptized? He would be baptized to show he's not too cool to be baptized and as an example for us. However high up you are on the food chain, Jesus was baptized by some guy. You know, John the Baptist, cool guy, awesome guy. Jesus submitted himself to baptism. So, it's not like we're too cool to get baptized or anything like that. Jesus did that. And uh, he did that to show us. Now, the way we do baptism, we're dunkers. I love, I love that, you know, dunking people. Um, it's, it's fun. It's a good deal. Uh, 
can be a challenge sometimes. I've heard of people, you know, with those little baptismals like in the video, like people hitting their head when they go down or things like that. Oh, you know, or I've heard a lot of funny stories, but uh, we're going to try to avoid those sort of things. But there can be some pitfalls with the dunking deal, but it really, the symbolism of it fits the New Testament the best. Um, That's the New Testament model. That's what Jesus was dunked. You know, the, that's what they did. they did. They did the dunking. The word itself means to immerse, to baptize, is to dip or to completely immerse. And so that's why we do that. Um, however, it's not... How we do baptism isn't about finding the ritual form that appeases God. Right? It's not about trying to figure out, okay, how should we do the ritual so that God will like us? That's not what it's about. It's a symbolic thing. It's about the heart. It's about really, truly identifying with the, the new creation that you have become. And so we feel as though that's the most uh, accurate way to baptize people, but it shouldn't be a, a source of contention, a source of uh, you know, blaming somebody else or having a bunch of issues and that sort of thing. So, amen? Ways of God relating to baptism... When you become a believer, you've made a decision to follow Christ, get baptized at your earliest convenience. <laughs> Ways of church culture, man, there's a lot of different ideas about baptism. Hey, there you go. Itching ears, some people feel too proud to get baptized. Don't be too proud. It opens the door, man. It's a, it's a good thing. And the ferocious wolf thing, somebody asked me today, so if I've been baptized before here and here and here, do I need to get baptized again? <laughs> like, no, <laughs> that's fine. I mean, be baptized before the Lord, you know, and before people. It's not a thing of, you know, if it wasn't a good hope baptism, it doesn't count. You know, I mean, uh, that's not how it works at all. Uh, we want people to be able to just receive and, uh, and be open. And uh, if that's happened 20 years ago, great. All right. That's baptism. Let's talk. I imagine you've heard most of that stuff before. It's a good thing. Be baptized. A lot of people get rebaptized if they were baptized as an infant. Now they get to choose. I encourage that. Uh, let's talk about the Sabbath. Let's talk about the Sabbath. This is a little bit more interesting. A little bit more maybe uh, like, okay, what's he going to say about the Sabbath? You know, baptism. Get baptized. It's good for you. Simple. Um, Sabbath. Sabbath. I've heard people basically basically claim that there's nine commandments now, not ten. You know what I mean? Like, the other nine are still good, but the Sabbath one doesn't really count anymore. I've heard people basically say that. Um, so let's look at the Sabbath one. Number, number four, I believe, on the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20. Here's what it says. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Holy means set aside for God. Um, it can mean like holy in the sense of the character of God, perfect. It can also mean set aside for God. And the Sabbath day is set aside for God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, Neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. So who who is supposed to work on the Sabbath 
in the Old Testament times. Nobody. Do you know a guy was stoned to death for collecting wood on the Sabbath? Doing my little research for the thing. He got out collecting wood. They were like, okay, what are we supposed to do? Moses prayed. God said, kill him. So they got everybody together and they stoned him to death. That's, we're not going there. All right. That's not, that's not going to come into the mix here at Good Hope Church. Because we aren't under law. This isn't the Old Testament situation. But there is something important for us to connect to, for us to understand. Um, did you notice, if you've been reading the New Testament, you notice that Jesus broke the Sabbath a lot. On purpose. With kind of an attitude. Did you notice that? Well, we've got this big commandment, keep the Sabbath, don't do any work. Um, very strong. People are getting stoned in the Old Testament for collecting wood on the Sabbath. And here's Jesus breaking the Sabbath regularly on purpose to, to get people riled up. What's going on? Let's look at one of the cases where that happens in the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 23. We're going to read through this. Mark 2, 23. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields and His disciples walked along. They began to pick some heads of grain. Collecting wood gets you killed. They're harvesting on the Sabbath. Jesus knows all the rules. He understands what people are going to think. He's doing this on purpose. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is unlawful, which is, I'm sorry, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Why did Jesus break the Sabbath? Here's what I've, and I've, I've put in my notes, you can't see it, but i got little quotation marks around the word break because I don't think Jesus broke the Sabbath. I think He fulfilled the Sabbath. And I'm excited to talk about the Sabbath today because there's a beautiful truth in there. I don't think Jesus broke the Sabbath. I think He broke the church culture Sabbath. He smashed that. He didn't like that at all. And He fulfilled the true Sabbath and brought us into the rest of God. Why did Jesus do that? Why did He break the cultural Sabbath. Here's why. Because it had degenerated from a time of spiritual renewal to a draining, legalistic, religious hassle. What was intended by God to be a time of spiritual renewal. Hey, let all the cares of your life go. Just release that stuff for one day. Spend some time with the people of God. Spend some time with God. Recharge. Reinvigorate. Get yourself some rest. Get yourself some renewal in the presence of God. 
became instead a drain, a pain, an unpleasant, legalistic, religious waste of time. Now, God means for us to have rest and renewal in His presence. We are called to have a relationship with the living God. When are we going to have that relationship? It's tough to do in the busy life, isn't it? You just get distracted. You're just doing stuff. You're just working as hard as you can trying to get everything taken care of and try to get your list done by the end of the day. Then you want to get enough sleep so you can do it again. You need some regular time to just let all that stuff go. Rest and be renewed in the presence of God. That's a beautiful thing. That's what the Sabbath is meant to be. Jesus broke the cultural Sabbath because it had degenerated from a time of spiritual renewal to a draining, legalistic, religious hassle. So, I think Jesus fulfilled the Sabbath. I don't think He broke it, but He brought it to its fullness. Remember Matthew 5, 17 and 18? This is uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is talking about basically going from the Ten Commandments of the Old Testament into the New Covenant and explaining how this is all supposed to work. So He's like, okay, we're going from behavior to the heart. We're going to go from outward to inward. And so He takes... For example, he takes, um, do not murder, and he says, don't, don't hate. Don't have a murderous heart. Don't have a, a heart that's against people. So, don't murder is a good outward sign. But let's bring that inside, let's fulfill that in the heart to a place of not hating. Hallelujah to get there. Remember, Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. He is a fulfiller of the law, a fulfiller of the Ten Commandments, not a breaker of the law. or a, He's not taking it away, but He's bringing it to the fullness of what it's supposed to be. So, How do we take keeping the Sabbath from the realm of behavior to the realm of the heart? How do we do that? It's easy like with with don't murder, don't have a murderous heart, okay? Don't hate people, don't be in a place of wanting to find fault with people. You know, people do that as a recreational activity. You know, they sit around and so, so and so did this wrong. They should have done it this way. And, and they just spend their time finding fault with other people. There's websites devoted to that, watching videos of people doing things wrong and laughing at them and whatever, and that sort of a deal. Um, oh, what a goofball and all that. Uh, saying, okay, don't murder, but have a heart that's for people. Have a heart that roots for people. Have a heart that is even for the people who hurt you. That's the fullness, the fulfillment of that commandment. And that's going to take some spiritual development, isn't it? Because when somebody hurts you, or worse yet, hurts someone you care about, it's hard to have a heart that's for them. You've got to grow into that. and That's going to take some time. It's going to take some effort too. It's not going to happen just by days going by. It's going to take some work. It's going to take some effort.
I knew I'm going to be like, it's, this sermon's over. If I'm watching something flying around on the ground, that'd be bad. So, don't murder. Let's see. Why would I be put in that position? All right. Okay, so we see that with with murder becomes don't hate, have a heart for people, love people. Um, man, even Jesus says love your enemies. It's that's that's quite a thing. How about this Sabbath deal? How do we take it from draining, religious, legalistic waste of time into the thing it's supposed to be? Remember, it's supposed to be a, a time of rest and renewal in the presence of God. That's the Sabbath. It's, it's rest and renewal in God's presence. It's like a... You ever gone on a retreat? In October 31st, there's going to be men's advance, uh, which is a retreat, but men don't retreat. Men advance! So we're... You know, that's... So men's... In, yeah! Come on! I didn't name it, but um, that's coming up late in October, so if anybody wants to go to that, I think we've got a group going, so it's going to be awesome. But the Sabbath is meant to be a little mini-retreat, regularly scheduled in the Bible on the seventh day, which is Saturday, just to say, you know what, I'm, I'm not even going to think about my business today. I'm not even going to worry about my schoolwork today. I'm not even going to... I'm just going to let it all go and I'm just going to spend some time with the living God. I'm going to rest. I'm going to be renewed. And I'm going to tear it up for six days. Then I'm going to rest again. <laughs> and I'm going to let it go. And I'm not going to carry any burdens. I'm not going to feel any pressure. I'm not going to have anything hanging over me. As a service to God, I'm just going to get rid of that stuff. I'm going to spend some time in the presence of the Lord. Is it? Man, it's a beautiful thing. When we take it out of the, the outward appearance into the heart, becomes a time of rest and renewal with God, a mini retreat that we can count on. I don't know about you guys, but I can enjoy a vacation for three months before I take it. You know what I mean? Like, um, what was my last vacation? I, I took one that was fun. Well, I went to visit my brother in Alaska. I was thinking about that for months. I'm going to go I'm gonna soak in China Hot Springs. I'm going to climb mountains. I'm going to have fun with my brother in Alaska. I was enjoying that. I wasn't even there. When you know you've got a day coming up where you can just let it all go, I'll fight the battle today. I'll fight the battle tomorrow. But there's a rest and renewal day coming. You can fight harder. You can fight stronger because you know that day is coming. When you try to just trudge along for five years without taking a break, you get worn down. It'll wear you out. The Sabbath was made for man. That means you need that. It's good for you. It's helpful for you. It's a benefit to you. That means God intended the Sabbath as a blessing, not as a religious hassle but as a time of rest and renewal, of reconnecting with God. I believe the Sabbath involves going to church, but it isn't going to church. You know, fasting involves not eating. 
you can not eat, but you aren't fasting. You know what I mean? You're just not eating. You can go to church and not have a Sabbath. You know, it can be, it can actually be, imagine this, the draining, legalistic, <laughs> religious, what was the word I used there? Hassle. Do you want your Sunday to be a draining, legalistic, religious hassle? No, I want a time of rest and renewal. And I tell you what, church is part of that. If it's going good. But there's more to it than showing up for church. Amen? You can show up for church and be thinking about work the whole time while you're sitting there. You have to make a conscious decision to break that off and be like, nope, I am going to take my time and catch up with the living God. I'm going to spend some time in the presence of God. You've got to be able to do that. That's part of what we are intended to do. So here's the main question. With regards to the Sabbath, what's the baby and what's the bath water? Right? Isn't that the question? What's the baby and what's the bath water? Because if we're gonna, if we're gonna just have the nine commandments, we're throwing the baby out with the bath water. Right? We need, we need to keep the baby. But we need to get rid of the draining, legalistic, religious hassle. Because if the thing that's supposed to rest and renew you and bring you closer to God is a draining, legalistic, religious hassle, you're in trouble. Your faith is gonna be miserable. It's going to be unpleasant to be a follower of Christ because the time of, of renewal, the time of re-strengthening, the, the, the time of joy is going to be a hassle. How many people have been trapped in that? That's the bathwater. <laughs> let's throw that hassle out and let's get the renewal. Let's get the rest. I think it's best described in Isaiah 58. We're going to read Isaiah 58 real quick here. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable. So the Sabbath is a delight, it says there in Isaiah. Delight is in the eye of the beholder. Amen? If, if you can see a time of rest and renewal with the Lord as a delight you're going to be open to a whole world that's a good world. If you think of a time of rest and renewal with the Lord as a religious hassle, you're going to miss something in life that is profoundly valuable. If you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. So how do you find your joy in the Lord? You have to delight in the presence of God. Delight in setting the worldly things that you need to spend a lot of time dealing with. Six days a week. Delight in letting that stuff go and just spending time with the Lord. Then you will find your joy in the Lord and I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. So God is saying things like delight, holy, honorable, joy. And there are blessings that follow. So let's do some specifics real quick. 
Is the Sabbath Saturday or Sunday? The seventh day is Saturday. Sunday is the first day. Did you know in the Old Testament you had a one-day weekend and a six-day work week? Jesus came. You know what He gave us? A two-day weekend. Dude, because we got the Sabbath on Saturday, so you don't go to work. And then Sunday is the Lord's Day. It's Resurrection Day. It's hallelujah. Every week we're going to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So now we get another day off. So we got Saturday for the Sabbath, Sunday for the Lord's Day. That's how that happened. How we got two days off. And then people pretty much, in, in Christian circles, they pretty much just rested on Saturday, took a day off didn't go to church and then started going to church on Sunday on the Lord's Day, celebration day, they'd celebrate the resurrection of Christ and fellowship and all that sort of stuff. And so services moved to Sunday. Um, is God going to wag His finger at you if you go to church on Saturday or Sunday? We're starting a Saturday service because we want people to come to church. Not because it's got to be Saturday. Saturday's great. What if you work shift work? Can you be a Christian and work shift work? Yeah, well guess what? You're going to be working on Sundays, aren't you? Can there be Christian nurses? Christian doctors? <laughs> Christian people who have to go to work on Sunday? Absolutely! I'm telling you, how about pastors? I'm working right now! I'm at work, man! I love my job. But let me tell you, i got to take a Sabbath another day. I gotta find that rest and renewal in the Lord. I need to keep the baby. Because that's a beautiful thing. But I'm gonna have to do it not on Sunday. And then once we start Saturday services, I'm not gonna be real good at doing it on Saturday either. I'm not good at Saturday anyway, because I'm worrying about Sunday. You know, it's hard to let all that stuff go. Whatever the specifics are, here's the deal. The baby is rest and renewal with God. Find that. It's a good thing. It will keep you strong in the Lord. We're going to close. I'm going to invite the prayer team down. Um, I'm going to read one more scripture from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. Of course, in Hebrews, it's going to talk about the Sabbath. You know, you don't get that so much in Romans and that sort of deal, but here's what it says in Hebrews, New Testament. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. When we enter the rest of God, it builds us up, it strengthens us, it helps us to not fall. A disciple of Christ enters the rest of God. doesn't have to be a specific way, a specific time. It, it, don't let it become a draining, legalistic, religious hassle. But man, spend some time in the presence of God. Think of letting everything go. Whatever relationship problems you got, whatever financial issues you got, whatever work problems you got, whatever just letting it go and being refreshed and rested in the presence of God. Could you use that on a weekly basis? 
Hallelujah. What a blessing that is. We need that. The Sabbath was made for us. I'm going to close. If you want some personal prayer, we've got the prayer team here. They can pray with you. If you need to know what it means to be a follower of Christ, to have your sins forgiven, you're not quite sure how to ask the Lord for that, they'll help you with that. They'll help you with anything else too. A relational need, a financial need, a physical need, whatever you feel that you need prayer for. They'll, they'll pray with you. They'll help you through it. So let's just close. Heavenly Father, we honor You. We give You praise. Lord, as we gather together, help us to let everything else go and have that true rest, that true Sabbath. Help us to connect with You and be rested and renewed in the faith. What a blessing that is. And Father, protect us from the draining religious hassle stuff. Let us not substitute a hassle for what should be a strengthening, beautiful thing. So Lord, bless us, encourage us. Let your light shine in our hearts and overflow into our world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. Come on down for prayer. Receive some good things from God. Otherwise, say hi to somebody you don't know and encourage them in the Lord this morning.